Hello and welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and this is the Beyond Being Well podcast. Here at the show, we are passionate about helping you. Helping you build deep relationships with yourself, the earth, and others. Helping you foster a deep, embodied sense of well-being and empowerment. Helping you slow down, work sustainably, and consume mindfully. And helping you create social change from the inside out. So settle in, get cosy, and let's get straight on with the episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is your host Meg and I'm so thrilled that you are back joining me for another episode. I am really enjoying doing these solo episodes and as a magical manifesting generator, I'm honoring um, the fact that I'm enjoying just popping on here when I feel called to share some of the themes that I've been seeing in my work and in my own life and applying them within kind of a social change lens. And so today I wanted to talk about something that I've witnessed a lot in myself and in the women I work with. Um, And before I do that, I wanted to invite you to jump into the free Facebook group, School for Sacred Social Leaders, because starting this week, um, as of recording, this is Monday the 25th of May, Uh, And it's Gemini season, which is amazing because I am a Gemini. It's my birthday coming up pretty soon. Um, But yeah, in that group, I'm running a free eight-week experience uh, called Rekindle. And it's really about um, deconditioning some of the ways that uh, we've come to mistrust ourselves. And we're going to be running a whole bunch of free masterclasses, free coaching circles, Q&As and watch parties. Um, And it's a really beautiful community that we're growing in there full of people just like you who care about holistic well-being with a flavor of collective change. Um, social empowerment and uh, sustainability. So please join us over there for Rekindle. It's completely free um, and it's a really beautiful opportunity to be in the school um, and be with the alumni and hang out and receive really personalized support um, as you navigate these transitions that we're going through again. (laughs) You know, as I'm recording this, we've just had an announcement here in Victoria this morning about restrictions being further eased in the coming weeks. And now we um, are preparing for more transitions within our families and work situations. And so I'm really just um, holding space and honoring all of those transitions in whatever form you're experiencing them, in whatever way your body is tracking them. I really, um, just honor wherever you're at. Um, and I really deeply hear and respect your desire to stay curious and to question, um, as you move with discernment into the new normal. So that all being said, today's episode is, um, really chatting about when all that planning is getting in the way of living. And I want to describe to you a a scenario that I've seen within myself, witnessed within a lot of women that I work with. And that is this scenario of 
feeling like there's never enough time to just like get our heads straight. And how this manifests typically is that um, we start to feel kind of an increased sense of pressure in the body, um, particularly I've found in what depends on really your human design chart, but I've found it for me, particularly within my head center, when I start to receive a lot of different inputs and I start to get a bit muddled and there's just this big feeling in my body of like, I just need to go away and sit down and like plan my life. And I just need more time to plan. I just need more time to sit down and make lists and plan. And and I've always been someone that's found making lists um, very soothing and, you know, finding solutions has been something that at least temporarily gives my changes my physiological state from that kind of overwhelmed state into like okay well I've got a plan which is great I think that I know that about myself um but I think where I've noticed it starts to become limiting is when all the planning and the need to plan and the need to just find space to sit down and I mean the finding space is so imperative but what I'm questioning what I've been curious about within myself is what happens when all the planning and the needing to like sit down and map out the solutions and exactly how that's going to happen which creates this temporary kind of shift in our biochemistry and physiology when that is actually getting in the way of experiencing and living our lives and I think that I wanted to unpack this question a little I wanted to unpack this idea of when all this planning is getting in the way of living because I think it speaks to not only some of the limitations with the current paradigm both in personal development as well as um, just societally but I think it really brings us an invitation to um to be curious to question and to build a bridge to a different world wherein we don't need to have the comfort of planning because there are these other layers which we are being called to cultivate Um, so I wanted to break this down as if uh, we were in a coaching session and this is what I would say to someone who has come to me with this question of well I just need to plan a little more and I just need to sit down and have some space to map it all out um, and make a list or whatever it is however it is that it's manifesting for you everyone will have a, a slightly different and unique experience of this but in my experience there are some underlying reasons that are um, that are can be applied across people and spectrums so let me first start by Uh, not in any way shaming this strategy. In fact, it's a really beautiful response to the pressures of the lives and the cultures that we've built. Um, It's a really beautiful instinct. And and so I really want to just start by welcoming it, including it, acknowledging it, giving it some love and being like, wow, what an incredible way that we've found to stay safe and to bring in a feeling of safety into our bodies that enable us to just function in the day to day. And so I really just want to start by having a big sigh and if you are able to maybe just taking a big breath and like shifting the mindset from like there's something else wrong with me fuck like now I've got to fix this other thing to one of curiosity one of compassion and one of kindness because um, when we start from that place of acknowledging and accepting rather than othering and separating we can actually um, find 
some wisdom here and alchemize that wisdom into something else which is more akin to empowerment so the reasons why I think we have gotten to this place where planning feels so soothing and satisfying and where it feels kind of productive um, but perhaps where it has started to become a crutch, become an addiction, become something that we turn to instead of stepping out into and experiencing more of life um, and experimenting that we've really started to use planning as almost like we get a little kind of dopamine hit from it. We get a sense of satisfaction. We get a like I said, it sh- it's a cathartic process. It shift as- shifts our physiology and brings in um, a sense of safety. But the problem is that I've found is that that sense of safety isn't short-lived. In yeah, Sorry, it is short-lived. And in fact, over time, what I've noticed is that when we start to inevitably deviate from the plan, the process of the planning has actually created new expectations which... Um, have now become a form with which we police ourselves. And so it may be like, oh, I'm feeling really overwhelmed about parenting, so I'm going to sit down and I'm going to plan how I'm going to be a better parent and all the things I'm going to do and I'll write a list like I'm going to, you know, prepare snacks every day before I go to bed and then and then we set a new normal a new expectation a new limit that when we start to deviate it actually just reinforces a cycle of shame and I think this is something that in the personal development world I am feeling called to talk more about and it's not I think everyone is doing the absolute best they can and I'm not here to like poo-poo anyone else's approach to coaching but what I've noticed is And why I'm feeling called to bring through a curriculum of my own around this is that I think sometimes we're creating like a short term fix in a coaching session or uh, by like creating a plan or or creating a framework that that is unless we address the underlying causes or in my case, um, when I help someone understand that maybe all the things they're witnessing in their behavior isn't bad or wrong or something to be ashamed of, but actually perfectly um, aligned by design or completely understandable, I think otherwise we can reinforce these like you get a hit and you feel really good and then you go out in the world and immediately like a situation creates a response in your body or your nervous system and and we're back to square one and so planning particularly dependent on your design your human design is something that can provide short-term relief but what I've found it doesn't necessarily provide long-term solutions because planning is all done in the mind um, and it is dependent um, and privileging the intellect and the mental part of us which and the rational part of us um, which is great at at solving problems but a lot of the problems that we are experiencing in our day-to-day lives are not intellectual in nature they are and therefore cannot be solved that way they are um emotional responses to our environments to people or situations in our environment um to things that are triggering old feelings or traumas to be re-experienced in the body and so it's not something that a plan can ever kind of 
create a um, solution to, like something that's emotional, experiential or physiological in nature. The intellect um, just by creating a plan or writing a list isn't going to be able to bypass those things. Um, So I find that I don't want to be setting up the people that I work with or in the industry, I don't want us to be keeping people in this perpetual loop of like needing another fix from a session and then going back out into the world. For me, it's much more about sustainable, um, sustainable scaffolded support where um, with awareness and compassion and energetic um, medicine and um, support for the whole self that we can begin to remove the perception that there's ever been anything wrong with us and unwire and unlearn all the ways that we think we're wrong and therefore find this kind of way of being in the world which we know is us and that even if it looks different or feels different we can trust that we're on our own own side and with that I find all the other things that we say we desire you know in business and in life and in parenting and in relationships comes from that scaffolded supported sustained place of self-intimacy so why do we do it then? Why do we feel the call to plan? Well, what I've found is a number of different things and these operate at a number of different levels within the subconscious mind and the body and I just want to highlight a few of them noting that not all will apply to you but some of them will. So the first thing is that we've grown up to believe that um, in a parenting paradigm that is based on reward and punishment, that there is a right answer to something that um, if we're experiencing a strong emotion or if we're struggling with something or that we're finding ourselves uh, in a state that we don't want to be, then there must be a solution and that that solution must be, in air quotes, the right thing. And so this can happen with regards to big decisions that we're making in our lives, but it can also come into a state of what I find an almost overwhelming state of feeling like we have to second guess almost every decision we make, including what we eat. (laughs) So it really, this first piece is around this false perception that there's a right thing. And if you break that down and you start to be curious about, well, why am I second guessing every single decision I make? To me, what it feels like in the body is um, that, or in the mind as well, I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole spectrum of feelings and emotions, but it's this feeling of like, if I get it wrong, there's going to be consequences. And if you've grown up in a household where there was any kind of punishment or consequences for behavior that wasn't um, deemed acceptable or, or triggered something in a caregiver which they weren't able to hold, then we will have quite a strong charge around right and wrong. And we will we may find ourselves in a freeze response around making decisions because there's this subtle Uh, coercive pressure that we've now embodied around right and wrong Um, and yeah so so that's the first thing that I've noticed that seems to drive this need to plan and make the perfect plan and and do um, and and make lists and all those sorts of things pros and cons lists you know in human design we all have a different authority from which we make decisions so 
and no one has the authority of the mind. It's never somewhere where instinctively, according to our energetic design, we make decisions from. And yet in our culture, it seems that the privileging of that system, which by the way, um, privileges all the things that have been constructed by the patriarchy or the hierarchy is, um, it's no, there's no accident that we've been disembodied and disconnected and separated from our deeper authorities, which lie in our emotions, which lie in our sacral area, which lie in our spleen and so on and so forth. So, that's the first thing, the first line of inquiry I would ask if you're finding yourself in this perpetual planning cycle but nothing is getting done and you're not actually out there experiencing life is do I have some attachment to getting it right, to being right, to finding the right, the perfect thing that is going to provide some form of safety that back in the day being right equaled safety and we really just treat that with such reverence and respect and and deep knowledge that that process was part of how we survived in our family of origin and so we don't want to like shame that part of us we just want to understand that wow I do have this really strong charge around um, needing to, to do the right thing and and because there's a lack of safety around doing the wrong thing. The second thing that I think drives this need to plan is that we're just completely surrounded by so much input. And what I found really interesting in, with the restrictions on movement and so on and so forth uh, of these recent times is that I've heard actually a lot of people saying that they've felt liberated by the restriction in choice. And capitalism is a system wherein the constant overstimulation of our nervous systems has been built into it by design because when we're in that state, we consume more. We are producing more erratic brain and heart waves. We're less coherent. We're less connected. And that's precisely the state that a lot of people want us to be in in order to keep us on the perpetual buying wheel, even within the personal development and wellness worlds. And so we really live in a world where there's a lot of inputs and depending on your aura type, um, you're going to be receptive, more or less receptive to those inputs. Um, and they actually start to create a lot of clutter in the brain as well as in the body because we start to lose discernment of what is for us and what is not for us. And so actually I find this need to sit down and plan is really um, a deep call to empty out what is not ours. And so instead of planning and creating like a to-do list which therefore creates a new pressure and keeps us in that cycle of busyness and doing and and not really addressing the root cause definitely if you feel called and you're feeling in that overwhelmed confused state finding different practices to empty out the energy that's not yours to turn down the volume on all the other inputs to turn down the expectations coming from outside and really again discern and find the shape of you whatever that looks and feels like is really really important where we get stuck and tripped up is that we don't spend enough time in the emptying out and instead we just move into a new plan and therefore replace all the clutter that was in there with more clutter and more expectations and so if you are finding yourself in these like kind of confused states often it's just an invitation that there's too much input there's too much sensory information it may be bringing up 
other situations where there was too much information coming into the system. And so can you turn down the volume on some of those inputs? Um, Can you curate your Instagram feeds according to what feels soothing and supportive and safe and whatever it is that you're working on in that moment as opposed to being open to all the opinions, all the expectations, all the stuff that's not yours. And so the question with this one that I like to ask clients is, is this mine? Is this something that I'm responding to? Is it mine or is it um, someone else's belief or need or desire? The third thing is that we don't, uh, the reason why we feel like planning is so productive is that we've lost touch with um, the rhythms, the pulse of the earth and the inner rhythms within ourselves that mirror the cycles and seasons of life. I'm just going to have some water. And so by doing that, we often find ourselves not honoring the winters, the darkness, the bleeds, whatever it is, the dark moon. We don't honor these parts of the month, parts of the week and parts of the day that are quieter and more receptive. Um, And so planning and writing lists is really keeping us in um, productivity as opposed to receptivity and what I find is if the planning is getting in the way of living we actually haven't allowed ourselves the time to sit in the fertile void as Kate Northrup talks about it to sit in the um I think Lacey Phillips calls it the magic dark to allow the seeds of inspiration, the seeds of creativity, the seeds of innovation, the seeds of desire to expand outwards, to ripple up and out of us. Um, Principally also we don't allow ourselves white time not doing anything and so we begin to create lists just to contain all of the different threads of things that we're carrying, all of which have some attachment to getting us love or connection or bringing us something that we fantasize about. But there's so much richness in time spent not planned, time spent not doing anything, time spent outside observing, um, rather than being in this perpetual inner world of thinking and planning and solving problems in our minds, of simply allowing space to rest, to be, to be observing, to be connected with our environment, to be connected with our bodies and to not have to be anywhere else. And from that place, that is where the seeds of desire are born. Um, And so I remember um, after I burnt out and anyone who's experienced adrenal fatigue knows that the it's like a dementor from harry potter it's like all the joy and life force is sucked out of you and um desire is not something that is there and i remember asking my first coach ever i said i've created all this space but there's no desire coming back like I've got all this time and I just don't know what to do with it because I don't even know what I want to do or what I like and I think that that is feedback of like how comfortable can we get in sitting in the fertile void in respecting the part of life that is death in being in the winter and allowing our system often our fried nervous system to an adrenals to come back online and come back to life. And so when we stop trying to 
cajole all the parts of us which are unsatisfied, which are um, uncomfortable into a to-do list or into a plan, we allow ourselves some space to see them for what they are, which is simply feedback, which is simply something to be processed, something to be acknowledged, something to be honoured. And so I find that if we can again look to nature and feel deeply what it is that we're being called to um, see there and look to nature and the seasons and cycles for the wisdom that also applies to us and we take our place in that beautiful cycle of life once more, then we start to honour the not doing as much as we honour the doing and we start to honour the receptivity as much as the productivity. And from that place, my goodness, a lot is possible, my love. Um So the next thing it kind of relates to it is that we've really been taught that there are intellectual solutions to emotional problems. And my experience has been that through um, my own work uh, with therapists and somatic experiencing therapists and embodiment coaches and all different kinds of resources and supports over the years is that the more I've been able to make peace with and sit alongside the river of all of my experiences, be they in air quotes, good or bad, um, I have been able to build an intimacy within myself that allows me to more deeply trust my inner rhythm movements um, without needing it to be different. And so this is, of course, the, my life's work is becoming that sacred steward of my energetic resources. Um, and my life's work is really about coming back to life and embodying aliveness and being able to breathe that back into people and systems and the planet um, in whatever form my gifts can allow me to do that with. But it really comes from this willingness to befriend all of the emotional experiences that we feel um, on any given day, to watch them, to observe them, um, to... Uh, alchemize them if needed but I think what happens when we take what is an essentially emotional experience and we cut that off by writing a plan or a to-do list is that we're not allowing ourselves to capture or embody the wisdom that that feedback is sending us and so um, we may find like I said this unsustainable short-term relief but because we've tricked our body into thinking that it's safe but the process hasn't been finished. The, um, the cycle that was started hasn't been completed. And so our job is not to um, belittle or diminish or turn away from or separate from ourselves when we're in an emotional experience, but it's really to learn how to be alongside that, to be um, our companion through that and I think that you know so much of the world's destruction and so much of the planet's destruction comes from the illusion of separation but that separation is really at the base level um conditioned into us where we start to become separate from our own emotional experience when we start to separate from ourselves and we lose the capacity because of fear around emotion we lose the capacity to be with our experiences and um, that is the root cause of so much 
continued trauma and destruction on the planet. So, yeah, I think that the planning, um, the need to plan and write to-do lists um, from that place of disconnection and numbing, I mean, I think planning and writing to-do lists and setting intentions is beautiful when we are deeply connected, but when it's coming from a numbing or dissociative space or a bypassing space, then... I think that it ties into the illusion of control that the systems have mirrored in us or have conditioned into us that um, we need to control emotion, we need to control magic, we need to control the planet, we need to control nature, we need to control anything that's wild or foreign or that we can't name. And certainly with our emotional experience, that rings true for me is that for so long I couldn't be with the fear of my emotions, let alone the emotions themselves. Um, and so I had this illusion of control, which is so problematic when um, life inevitably mirrors to us that there is no control and of course there is no it's it's always been an illusion and um as practitioners and as seekers and as social change agents the more we can be in the dynamic flow of life and be comfortable with the fact that we have not as much control as we've been taught the more we can actually be super effective and impactful because we're not always being sidelined or uh, stopped or paralyzed or frozen by um, these big movements and energies moving through us. Um, I noticed it this week actually that uh, during this pandemic I've gotten into this rhythm of either parenting or working and yet I know with my design that I'm here to go out and taste and experience and be with life to really embody aliveness and to, uh, what's the word, and then to basically imprint or share that imprint through my energy and so my job is not to sit behind a computer and learn all the things my work in this world is never going to come from writing to-do lists or planning like all of my creativity all of my life force all of my capacity to make an impact comes from experiencing life and being willing to dance with life and observe life and it's very strongly in my chart this need to be in relationship and to explore and taste the many facets of life and then to share what I've seen um, with others through my energy and so you know, I think to-do lists actually keep me separate from that impulse that I want to take. And so on Sunday I woke up and I and I know through my design I'm not actually someone that can, um, like, I, I can't really plan what I'm going to do the night before. It has to be a response in the morning. And so I woke up and I just took the girls out of the house for the day and went to the farmer's market and, and it was freezing but it was such a beautiful day and we were responding to our environment and to the people around us and it just um, reminded me of like how rich living is, you know, how rich uh, living is than planning or trying to wait for the perfect outcome that has been carefully orchestrated from the safety of our homes. 
really if we are to build a regenerative future it needs to come from a willingness to be alive to be enlivened to be living and I think that we need to dance with um with risk we need to dance with not risk we need to dance with just not having control I think that's really what I'm trying to say um so I've already talked about I just want to talk about a couple more reasons I think this comes up and I'm wondering how you're going and if you need to take a stretch or a breath because this is a lot of information and really again bring in that warm compassionate comforting energy of there's nothing wrong with you you're not doing anything wrong you've just been looking after yourself as best you can and that's so beautiful and here's another layer of awareness to bring in and observe and simply ask some beautiful questions so I've already talked about the number of inputs and I think this next piece is really around we need to plan because we're always trying to work out the threads of who we are and I think the problem is that we're trying to work out the threads of who we are based on what everyone else is doing rather than observing our own internal movements and emotional experiences and so I really think this need to plan comes down to this desire to create the perfect ending which somewhere in our subconscious is confused with um um like some kind of quick short we're, we're kind of looking for the quick shortcut to get love and approval mainly of someone that we feel like we didn't get love and approval from and so we're planning to try and map out the path to get to the place of perfection to get to the place of the happy ending where the illusion is taught to us that if we get to that place then all the other things in our lives that the uncomfortable experiences will fall away and we know of course that that's not true but there's still a part of us that innocent part of us which wants to believe that if we just follow a certain trajectory then we'll get all the love and approval mainly from ourselves and that we'll live happily ever after and so we're constantly trying to curate this perfect ending and we're constantly trying to be someone that we're not and when we're trying to be someone that we're not those internal instincts get overridden and it's almost like there's the internal impulse which then gets overridden by the conditioned parts of us which says that's not safe and if you have a spiritual side if you're following a career path that's like not yet um been expressed in your lineage if um your existence and expansion and growth makes other people uncomfortable all of that we take as feedback that it's not safe to be me and so we start to try and curate a path that is the safest and that's really the path of um the sacred social leader but it's also the path of our own empowerment and liberation of being willing to really sit with those shames and hurts and explore them for for what they are which is that they're untruths and their expressions which somehow we got confused along the way and thought that they were fact um, when they're not and so really when we start to work with those of our those people um, who can point out to us the threads that they witness in us which is something that I do 
in Sacred Steward. It's something that I do really, really, it's, it's, it's a superpower that I have is to reflect back to you the threads that I can see throughout your life in both your expression as well as your passions and interests and to really find that puzzle piece that you're holding, that you're here to bring into the collective that creates not only change in the collective, but creates a, a greater sense of purpose and aliveness in you. So it's not about burning out, but it's about finding those things that are joyful and and alive for you and how you can contribute them sustainably into the collective field and when we start to follow those threads and find those threads that are us that are uniquely us without shame and without um without overriding them with this conditioned part of us which says oh that's not safe that's the path of empowerment that's the path of liberation not only for us but for all women And it's super powerful and impactful work when we start to deconstruct the programming and conditioning that keeps us separate from our superpowers and magic and gifts. So that is a long explanation of all the reasons that we might find ourselves in this perpetual planning and to-do list making mode. I hope that it's been insightful. I want to end with some takeaway tips or some um, things to further your awareness around this. So my first bit of advice is to reduce the inputs and curate curate your feeds according to what it is that you want to bring in, which feels really true for you, not for someone else. So really starting to turn down the dial on the noise and everyone else's opinions, um, as well as fostering a beautiful energetic practice of emptying out on, on the daily, particularly for some of you energy types, which tend to want to merge with and absorb other people's stuff, emptying out what is not yours and asking yourself, is this mine? The second thing is to trust the threads and to be open to exploring those threads which have been true for you throughout your life and really being willing to follow the threads, follow your inner movements um, and notice when the mind wants to come in and start to dictate that's not right, that's not okay, starts to shame you for wanting to rest, for example, when you're tired. And that is really that that pull between the conditioned mind and um, our inner instincts, which are trying to, which are, by, by the way, which are on the side of the collective and on the side of your thriving. Um The third thing is to learn to be with big emotions and to get support to do that. You know, it's not something that uh, we can do on our own, particularly if it's new. And um, there are some great resources out there around starting that mindfulness practice. There's so many different pathways to do that work. Um, I just spilled my water bottle everywhere. That's great. Um, yeah, to start that practice, you know, depending on your energy type, depending on what you like, there are so many different pathways to learning to be with your emotional experience from insight meditation and more Buddhist style meditation practices to um, to embodiment practices, to energy medicine practices, to somatic experiencing therapy, to trauma healing. So it's really so many different ways and pathways to learning to get comfortable with your inner environment without interrupting interrupting it or 
trying to coerce or change it. Um, the third thing is to honor the inner winters, the darkness, to honor, um, the fact that something will emerge if we give ourselves enough time. It's just that we we're always in such a rush that, that the plan can become available to us in more ways than sitting down with a piece of paper when we're feeling pressured. And so can we honor those parts of the cycle? Um, and the last thing is, uh, to really understand that, we can learn what is us and what we desire and what our instincts are by being willing to be in relationship with others and relationship with the earth and that really um but it's not about being in relationships where we're taking on something that's not ours and trying to model or replicate it it's about being in relationships where that other person can reflect and be the mirror back to us about the parts that we can't yet see in ourselves and so to really find those trusted connections and relationships it's something that I'm super keen to build in the school it's like part of why I'm here is to um is to provide support in the form of community because it's always been my biggest medicine is learning to resource myself not only with my own presence and compassion when I'm in a shame spiral but um, to weave that into a bigger community of people asking similar questions and so really to understand that life is for living it's not for planning and if you know, it's always going to be this one day scenario. Like what if we trusted in the relationships that we foster trust that we follow one impulse to do something one day and that leads to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Can we trust and lean into the unfolding just like nature does instead of needing to plot and plan our way, which in my experience creates so much burnout, so much suffering and so much expectation. We really need to allow ourselves to be fluid and dynamic to work with our design to trust in the relationships to call in the opportunities and to deeply trust that um there never has been and there never will be something intrinsically wrong with us um it's just that we live in a culture which has taught us that that is so so that is all I have to share. Um, I've loved hanging out with you today. I would love to connect with you in the free Facebook group or if you are looking for some more intimate one-on-one support, um, then Sacred Steward pre-admissions calls are open. Um, you can go to my website to find out more about them. We start late July and I'm also um, working with a couple of people one-on-one um, if that feels important to you too. I am here. Um, I hope you have a beautiful day and a beautiful week and I will chat to you soon.